to another episode of the Haskin Cast Podcast. I am your host, Scott Haskin, and I am not alone today. I have a very dear friend of going on 30 years with me doing a review of an album that really kind of means something to both of us. Let's welcome her to the show. Tina Sienflon, how are you? How are you? I'm doing great. It's so lovely to have you on the show, and I'm excited to talk about this album. You are in Arizona. I am in Las Vegas. We are not that far apart, but yet it feels like we're far apart. <laughs> Worlds. Worlds apart. We used to sit up late into the night listening to this album and many other things. You kind of got me into some like uh, i don't know what the what the style would have been called at the time because edm didn't exist what would you call no it was like maybe the start of new age it wasn't it's not really new age but it was kind of i don't know it's it's electronica for sure electronica that's the word i was trying to think of i knew you'd come up with it those were some good times and of course <laughs> The reason I picked this time of year, because it was around this time of year that we met in 93. I remember it was in the in the fall in Colorado, uh, where it was much colder than it is here in Vegas or Arizona. And it would just suck going from the car to your house because the air would just be so icy at night. I don't miss that. I don't either. I do miss the, I do miss the cool weather, do but I, I don't miss that part of it. Yeah. I, I miss sitting in my windowsill on those quiet nights where the snow would just be coming down and there would be no sound outside and there would just be this like winter glow. You know, I miss that. And then and you, you were to... warm inside your house. Yes. But then <laughs> you had to get up and go to work and you had to dig your car out of the four feet of snow from the plow that, uh, you know, went through the apartment complex. I don't miss that part or sliding to work or any of the other things that go with it. I agree. The last time I left Colorado, uh, I was, I made the decision the night before I was on my way to work the next day and I hit a patch of black ice and I literally stopped inches from a cop car. And he, wow. he rolls down his window. I roll down my window. I'm like, Oh God, here we go. And he goes, are you okay? And I went, yeah, are you okay? And he went, yeah. And he just looked at me for a minute. He's like, let me clear the traffic so you can get back out on the road. I'm like, oh, thank you. Because, you know, you can't do anything on black ice. It's not like you are right. being irresponsible. Like, there's literally nothing you can do. That's right. It's slipperier than slippery ice. Yes, it is. And I don't Scary. miss it one bit. But Arizona's got its own challenges. Well, but you don't have to shovel snow. Yes. You don't have to shovel sunshine. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm perfectly okay uh, dealing with three or four months of extreme heat and not having to deal with any of that. Uh, and if I want, you know, fall colors, I can go to Sedona. Sedona is a beautiful place to see the change of seasons. And uh, it's not far away if I want it. But enough about the weather. We're here to talk about music. Yeah. And this wonderful album. Yay. So we met, we figured in 1993, this album came out in December of 93. And I remember uh, you called me and said, are you coming over tonight? And I said, yes. And you said, good. And I said, okay, why? And you said, because I have an album I want you to hear. And it was this album. That was the first time I heard it. So that must have been sometime in either December or January 
because I know it was it was pretty probably new. Probably when it was really cold. Yeah, when it was really cold. It was really cold, like stupid cold, like almost <laughs> to the point where you had to take the battery out of the car if you didn't want it to freeze overnight. Which there were many of those nights in all the years I lived in Colorado where I had to do that. Uh, but no, I was so excited because you you shared a lot of music with me, but there were certain times where I knew it meant like it really connected with you just in the way that you would tell me about it or the way that you would be like, like that, like, are you coming over? Cause I want you to hear something. You know, there was something about this album yeah. that really clicked with you. And I knew that there was a good chance it would click with me. And it absolutely did. Do you remember how you came across the album? Not off the top of my head. Um, I was just in general, you know, the, the electronic music was something that I, I was enjoying. And I think I was listening to radio or something where they were talking about the release of, of uh, Enigma and um, the second album, because I had the first, and I was, oh yeah, I was really excited. And they played, of course, you know, the most popular song off the which we'll get to later. Um, we'll play, they played that song, and I'm like, oh my God, this is great. So it was, uh, yeah, and I'm like, you know who would love this? Scott would love this. Mm-hmm. So it was, yeah, it was, it was very, and for me, it was really emotional uh, when I got the album and I listened to it. For me, it's, it's like a story. It means it's the, the whole album is like a story. It has your, your introduction, your beginning, your build up, your climax, and then you come back down and you have this nice ending. That's, and that's just kind of how I've always thought about this particular album. So I'm glad I was so happy when you loved it. Oh, yeah. And, and I was into New Age music at the time. I was a big fan of Patrick O'Hearn. And uh, I, I don't think I don't think I had heard of Yanni yet. No, I had already. Um, but I really wasn't. I liked a couple songs by him, but I never really dug into him. Patrick O'Hearn was the guy for me. And so this kind of fell into that category, but with vocals. So it was a it was a real uh, eye opener of what could be done. I had never really considered vocals for something like that. Uh, I did not know of Enigma before that. I had not heard of them, didn't know they existed. So it was a new band for me. And I was just blown away by the sound of it. But I did some digging and it actually is a concept album. It is a story. I thought all those years that it could be, but it actually is what it is about. I have a vague idea of it's kind of like we're here to be good to each other. We're here to share and love and grow um, is, is the overall theme that I get from it. And also that, you know, you've probably done some dumb things in your life, but it's okay because you can, you can come back from that. You know, it's, it's not too late. You can return to innocence. <laughs> you can return to innocence. Exactly. Uh, so I, I love the concept of it. Um, I, I think it's something that probably should be tapped into a little bit more, but it's, it's a very warm sounding album. It's beautifully recorded, beautifully mixed. And it's just one of those things that as soon as I hear it, I smile. Like any song that happens to come on my iPod or whatever, like I just smile. And I do too. I haven't listened to it in a really long time. So when you asked me if I wanted to, you know, do the podcast with you, I was like, yeah, sure. And then I started listening to it again. And I was just reliving all of those emotions all over again. And it was nice to, to listen to it and of course you know this is now 30 years later granted i've listened to it within that 30 years but sure, yeah. it's been a really long time and so it's just different things in my life um you know it's just it still feels great to me though i love it 
Yeah, me too. And I, I wonder, this is a question that I often ask myself when I think about things that I've had in my life for that long. Um, is it that I really love it or is it the nostalgia of it? And I think in this case, it's both. You know, obviously I have some great memories tied to it, but at the same point, it's it's such a wonderful album. I really do think I can say I still love this album after all this time. I'm not bored with it. I'm not like, oh yeah, this song skip or or whatever. Like when I listen to it, I listen to the whole album. Right. And I listen to it in the, how I see the intent of it is from the beginning to the end. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times with music today, you know, even with electronic music or whatever, you can just put it on shuffle and it all sounds great. But with this particular album, I really believe it's meant to be listened to from beginning to end and not shuffle. I agree. And and also, I mean, now that you know, and, and that I know that it is indeed a concept album, that makes even more sense because now, you, you know, you're just taking, you wouldn't just read a random chapter of a book and put it down and go, all right, well, I read 26 yesterday. Maybe I'll read 12 today. Like you just wouldn't do that. <laughs> right. You know, well, let's check out the first song. This first song is called Second Chapter because it is their second album. I love that combination of strings and brass and synth pads. Like it is just such a beautiful combination and such a wonderful build to start the album. I, I agree. See, you you focus on like those particular instruments. I'm just listening to the whole of it. And I think about the end of the first album. And to me, this is like, this is just a continuation. You know, this is a continuation from that first album, just that slow introduction. Because if you listen to the first album, the last song kind of ends on the on the tone that this one begins on. So it's really neat. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that. I remember when when you first played this for me, and I remember like leaning closer to the speaker and asking if you could turn it up, and you're like, just wait. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because yeah. it has such a slow fade in, you know, it, it, it's a beautiful build, but, you know, I'm like, I want to hear this. And you're like, just wait, it's coming. Give it a moment. <laughs> yeah. But I think that this song uh, sets a great tone for the album. It really uh, just kind of says, here's the direction we're going in. Here's how this album is going to feel. And you know, it's going to, you know, you're going to have changes here and there during the album. But it, it really just But you're sets... in for something big. Exactly. Yeah. It, really epic, I think it would be. It's not a word I use often, yeah. but in this case, I think epic is really the right, you know, the right kind of word. So I just, just to, to play a touch for the audience here, I want to go a little further into the song so that they can see it's not just all, you know, <laughs> all just uh, classical <laughs> instruments here. So it is it is a very synthesized oriented album as well. But I take, you know, when I listen to this song, I kind of take this as uh, the birth 
you know, it, it would be the opening yeah. of the show, but I feel like it's, it's a birth. It's like a coming into a new life or a new environment kind of thing. Yeah, definitely. It's the beginning of the story. Exactly. Like, like if, if this were on stage, in fact, you know, now that I think about it, have you ever seen uh Miss Dare, the show here in Vegas from Cirque du Soleil? No, I have not. The the intro is is the very beginning of the intro is very much the same. It's like just this whole and it, it is the story of of a person's life, like from the time that they're born. So uh, that's probably why I relate it. But it is kind of that same thing. Like it's this soft opening, kind of coming into a new world, uh, you know, before everything gets a little bit crazy and the percussion starts. But it has that same sort of feel to it, uh, which is it's just obviously something I, I really like. I think it's a great way to start a story. Our next song is called Eyes of Truth. God, we're already on the second song. This is going so fast. I love that that digital version of an Indian flute that's kind of driving the song. Uh, But the percussion just draws me in. You know, it makes me feel like I'm I'm on, you know, like a magic carpet or a nice soft rug. And it just picks me up and it's carrying me across the room. That might be the weirdest analogy ever, but it it really encapsulates me. The basis of Enigma. That, That right there is classic Enigma sound. Um, from the first album and then throughout this album, it just gets better. But that right there, when I heard that, I'm like, oh, yes, this is this is Enigma. So. Mm-hmm. Well, and see, now you hear this kind of music a lot in film scores and, and that. But back then, you know, in 93, when this album came out, there wasn't a lot of this kind of stuff. It was really, at least for me, the the combination of this and the electronic side, uh, very innovative. I hadn't heard anything like it before. No, and then, you know, his his wife is the one that sings on this. And a little bit later in this song, you know, she does, she's just kind of humming. But in most of the other songs, it's her singing, and she has a beautiful voice. I'm not sure if they're still married, but I do know they were married at the time. It was his wife at the time. She has a beautiful voice, very haunting the way she sings. Yes, and, and they do put a lot of reverb on her on this one to make her, you know, really kind of sound a little more haunting and a little bit, uh, bigger in, in the mix. You know, she's more upfront uh, in what you hear. But yeah, she absolutely has a very beautiful voice, very smooth singer, great transitions. You know, you can you can feel what she's singing and everything she sings. Which yeah. I find it's a lot emotional. of times I find like, yeah, I find like singers sing the words, but they don't. And in fact, this is an interesting thing in the timing of this album coming out because we were getting, you know, Pearl Jam was really big at the time, bands like that. And I never really latched on to that kind of music. It was like, you sing those words. Okay, fine. I'll sing them. And then they <laughs> sing them with no emotion, no care. Like, I'm getting paid to do this, so I'll do it. I never ca- got caught up in that music because I couldn't connect with it. There was no emotion in it for me. Whereas this is the exact opposite. This is all about emotion. Definitely. And it's just like an actor, you know, and you can have 
two different actors play the exact same part. Uh, one might be a good actor, the other's a great one because the other actor actually puts that emotion and feeling and it makes the viewer feel. You know, it's like now I can feel his pain and or I can feel her love. And, you know, so definitely this is, you know, there's a lot of emotion um, behind her voice that she's mm-hmm. putting forth to bring the, the, the listener along with them on this journey. Absolutely. Now, I could find a section of the song and play it for the audience. But you know what? Go get the album because it's really good. Definitely. Yeah, it's available everywhere. I've got links in the show notes just to make it even easier. iTunes, Amazon, wherever you want to go. I'm sure it's on Spotify. I don't have a Spotify subscription, but I'm sure it's there somewhere. Uh, but it's it's a great song. And it really, you know, going from the birthing into this piece, kind of that I'm discovering the world feel that it has to it uh, is, a, is a really logical progression in the story because I I don't remember a lot about like the first couple years of my life, I have like little fragments here and there that I remember, but I would imagine there was just so much, Oh wow. Look at that. Oh wow. What's that? And and just trying to kind of get it all in and being overwhelmed by everything I'm seeing. And that's kind of what I get out of this song. It's like just trying to get, understand everything I'm seeing. Yeah. I think it's still trying to set you up. This is still setting you up for the next song, mm-hmm. which is, which as soon as you play it, everyone who knows anything about Enigma, maybe even not, they're going to recognize this song because it's been in movies and yeah. Out of curiosity, before I play that one, what, and I have a story for that song for you as well. Uh, What do you, do you remember what the earliest memories are that you have? Can can you connect with anything from like that first couple years of your life? Um, actually, I think I was probably five or six is maybe the earliest memory I really have. And the reason why is uh, I, my dad teaching me how to ride a bike. Mm. So that, you know, five, five or six. I may have a couple memories from four, but most of them are like five or six years old. You know, all of them with my dad, you know, going out and flying airplanes, um, going out to see to make model airplanes. Uh, going out and teaching me how to ride a bike. And what I remember is, you know, I'm I'm sitting there pedaling away, you know, thinking he's still riding right next to me. He was running next to me, but thinking he still had a hold of the seat of my bike. And then I look over, he didn't have a hold of the seat of my bike, and I freaked out and I fell. <laughs> but, you know, yeah, I, was, I, I think that's probably the earliest, one of the earliest memories that I have. And it's a great It's one. funny that you say that. I was, uh, I, I, every year I watch the entire series of Dead Like Me, the two seasons in the film. And uh, I was watching the episode yesterday where uh, Georgia learns how to ride her bike. And her mom is doing that thing. Like she's trailing along, like she doesn't want to let go. And Georgia's like, mom, let go. I can do this. And then she finally does. And she's like, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. And I'm never coming back. And her mom is watching her like ride off down the street. <laughs> Nothing she could do. Uh, so that that's funny that you bring that story up. The the earliest memory that I have, I have two, and I'm not sure which one came first. I remember being in the hospital when I was very young. I don't know if I was two or four, but I remember they had this giant uh, chest of drawers in the hospital room where the TV sat. At the, at, and I thought that was very strange that the hospital had like a giant chest of drawers. And I, and I remember thing. that vividly. Yeah. I, like I'm into hospital decor at this point of my life, you know, 
And uh, I remember that. And then I remember, and I know I was two when I did this. We were at the mall in Michigan. It was my mom, my dad, my brother, and I. And my dad had had said, you know, I'll be right back. And he went off to go into the store and we were waiting for him. And I remember I thought I saw him and he passed us and I thought he just didn't see it. So I got up out of my stroller and chased this man halfway across the mall, screaming, daddy, daddy, being so upset because he wasn't turning around because it wasn't him. <laughs> but I mean, that was That's a pretty, pretty you know, that actually turned into like a kind of a traumatic thing you know uh at two years old that my father's just completely ignoring me and uh so that that's one of those two whichever one came first that would be the earliest memory i have after that i don't really remember much uh except little fragments here and there you know like like them turning our street from dirt into concrete and and uh that kind of thing but yeah it's it's pretty fragmented until probably kindergarten which i was five i think when i started so yeah, right about that same age as you. Yeah. I know. But I'm yeah, but I'm glad that you didn't just take off on your dad. <laughs> just leave him there in the dust. Nope. <laughs> now this this was in was that in Florida? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's in Florida. That's a whole different climate down there. Oh gosh, yes. Very humid. <laughs> Lots of I hated I hated the West Coast when I moved to the West Coast because my skin was, you know, so adapted to the humidity, um, and I hated it when I moved to the West Coast because it was so dry. And I mm. still remember the first time I went back to Florida. It probably had been maybe ten years. No, not quite that long. Maybe about maybe about eight years. I went back to Florida. Oh my gosh, I felt like I was gonna die. I'm like, how do I breathe? <laughs> <laughs> I'm breathing water. Would, yeah. What is this? I would get the same thing when I would go back to Michigan where I grew up. It was it's it's just you get you don't think about it because you're used to it. It's like just like the heat in in the summer for us. You just adjust right. to it. And uh but then when you go back in into a climate that you haven't been in in a long time, yeah, it's it's kind of a, a shock on your system. Uh, but moving to, to L.A., the challenge I had was coming from Phoenix, it's just as bright in California as it is in Phoenix. So when you see the sun coming through your window, you're like, oh, my God, I do not want to go and check the mail because it's going to be 115 degrees. And it's 76 or 80. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so you have that thing in your mind that this is going to suck and you open your door and you're like, oh, yeah, I'm in California now. It's not that bad. Yeah. Let me open up all the windows and doors. Exactly constant culture shock because it takes a long time to recondition yourself you know to when, when you're just used to that uh but again i don't know why i keep talking about the weather that's such an odd topic for me uh the third song on this album is one that uh you guys like tina said you guys are going to know this song even if you don't know it's enigma you've probably heard the song and uh is very popular played to this day uh quite often on the radio and uh, here it is. Thank you. 
I love this song. <laughs> Tina's, Tina's sitting there dancing to it right now, even though the music has stopped. Because <laughs> it doesn't stop. It in in my head. Head. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, and this is our, on the show here, this is our first time hearing uh, her voice. And, and I right. mean, she's, she just sings so gently, but strongly at the same time. You know, her, her, she's just so smooth as a singer. Definitely. Yeah. What what do you feel when when you first hear the song? We hear the Indian voice, and then you know just just with the gentle pad behind it, and then the music kicks in. Like, do you feel a charge every time you hear that? Like I do. Every time, every time I listen yeah. to this album, I just you know the, there's a lot of tribal um, bass. He uses a lot of tribal sounds in in all of his albums, especially this one. And in general, I think. Um, that the, that tribal sound just brings like makes you feel things, and it's meant to. Mm -hmm. My understanding from Indian culture is, you know, that tribal their their tribal rituals is something that's you know it's very emotional. And I think he did a really good job of not um, not making fun of it, but using it to really kind of build this music. I, I, don't, I can't even describe it, but he used it well. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it was, it's very tasteful for one. Um, we also don't tend to necessarily think about like an, a, a chant almost being musical, but it really is. Um, what I love about it is I love the repeats. You know, you hear him say something and then it repeats and then it repeats and then it repeats as it trails off. Uh, but you also hear the same thing with her but she also comes back in and whispers what she's yeah. saying. So you hear her and then you hear the repeat and then you hear the whisper and the repeat on top of her other repeat. It's just layered so beautifully and it, it just all blends and works together so well. Uh, for me, I almost think this is a, like a baptism for our character. And I could be completely off base. I mean, this is just me speculating and, and it's, it's what I feel, but you've got the birth You've got the kind of getting a grip on the world. And then you have like the Indian sort of playing, you know, the role of, of like uh, someone who's blessing the child to go through their life in prosperity. I, I just that's what I get out of it. What is the song? You know, do you, Is there anything that comes to mind for you when you think of the song or when you hear it? Honestly, it's just it's it was the word, you know, it really made me think about the fact that. You know, the mistakes that we make as human beings, um, you know, the hate we give out sometimes, and it might not be intentional, you know, from us, but you know, we are humans, so, and we are emotional beings, and we, we go that full spectrum from happiness to anger, and that no matter what, you can return to that childlike, not childish, childlike mm -hmm. um, mentality um, where cause kids in general, before they, before they start to pick on each other, kids in general are just very loving, very forgiving, um, very open. And for me, the song was, at the time in my life when, this, when I heard the song, it really made me think about all the things that I had been through, the people that I had hurt um, along the way, and that it was still possible for me to find redemption and return to an earlier state, that's what this really was for me. This was a very, like, yeah, this is a very 
timely song for me. I think it's an important song too, you know, for at least for both of us. And I'm sure a lot of other people have connected in that same way. I think too, there's also a theme of this album uh, about reincarnation. And I think this in, you know, going through this, this passage with the Indian too, I think is almost like a cleansing of your past life, the residue maybe that we brought with it into this life. And we're returning to that time of innocence without all of that baggage. Definitely. The video and the video puts this like the video puts all of this into something people can see. And they they do a great job in the video. Everything is moving backwards. Everything is moving backwards. And so you start like with this old man and then it's going backwards. People are walking backwards and it goes all the way back to a child. It's a really neat video. Go watch it. I'm sure I saw it at some point, but it would have been decades ago. Um, I, it wouldn't surprise me, though, that that they would release a video that would be on par with the album, because there's a certain quality to this band that unless something is out of their hands, like a record company decision or something like that, I'm sure that everything that they do follows the quality of, of what they're writing and, and their messages. Oh, yeah. Michael Chris is a... very controlling over his, his uh, art. He, he wants mm-hmm. to make sure he's got a good handle on his art. Yeah. And it, and it shows, you know, it, not in the way, because some people can become obsessive to the point where they ruin their work. You know, every little note has to be perfect and, and every little one is EQ'd differently and it just sounds like garbage afterwards. But to him, you know, everything might sound perfect. But I think he knows what sounds good and what doesn't. And that's right. very clear in this album. Um, I'm going to tell you a story about this song. And this may be the first time that Enigma and Eminem have ever been compared in any (laughs) way, shape or form. So Eminem did a song based on Dido's music for Thank You. And her her voice is cut into it. It's called Stan. It's a very emotional song, very powerful. To this day, every time I get to that last verse, I physically get a shiver up my spine no matter. I just got one again, just telling. Just talking about it. Uh, but it, it to this day, every time I've heard that song, I still get that same shiver. And I loved the concept of taking that part of her song, just that vocal part, and making it a repeat in the chorus that actually doesn't relate to the song that she did, but relates to his song. I just thought the art of that was really amazing. And I had a song I was writing called Dear Grandpa which was sort of a a letter to a combination of both of my grandparents. And um, I remember I had the idea that I wanted to take the Indians chant from this song and do the same thing that Eminem did with Dido's voice and have that become the chorus. You know, of course, I had no idea how to do that at the time. (laughs) I do now, uh, but uh, at the time I had no clue how to do it. So I, I first did it as a rap and that didn't work. And then I ended up doing it as just kind of like me reading my letters to my grandfather, you know, like when when we would communicate, uh, we really communicated by phone, but in the form of the song, I did it by letter. Uh, but I, I just loved the concept and I thought, boy, that Indian voice would just be so perfect for a chorus like that. It also would have cost me a fortune. So yeah, definitely. It, it, it wasn't destined to be. But I, I just think that, that that emotion is so easy to latch onto 
even taken out of the context of the song, I think that chant would be very powerful. Absolutely. You know, so maybe one day when I'm rich, I'll go back and do a new version and then he'll be like, no, you well, can't release that. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well, you know what it comes down to, uh, just like it did when I tried to release my cover version of, of Lionel Richie's Hello, is it comes down to the publishers have to approve it, whoever is in yeah. control of the publishing rights. And then if he retained any control, which I have a feeling he did retain the rights to final decision on his music, anything that's done with it, uh, you have to get his approval. So with Lionel Richie, there's two publishers and Lionel retained control of Hello. So... The, the two publishers were like, yeah, that's fine. We're good with it. Go ahead and release it. Because they don't care. They just, they're like, hey, we can make money on it. Maybe it doesn't, you know, we don't care about anything else. And the song's like 35 years old, you know. So uh, then uh, it went to Lionel and he heard the song. He actually heard what I did. And uh, the response I got was just no. <laughs> so, it's a shame, <laughs> you know. But uh, but that's what so I, I would imagine in this case, it would be the same situation, like the publishers would be like, yeah, that's fine. We don't care, whatever. And then it would go to him and he would have to decide, yes, this is a tasteful use of what I created or no, it isn't. Or it was so long ago that what I've done has has had its relevance. It's still out there. If somebody else gets inspired and wants to do something with it, that's fine. Um, but I could see this song being licensed in a lot of films. I could see so much use for it. But in the context of the album, I think it's a beautiful progression of the story. I think it's one of the best songs I've ever heard. It, it's definitely a go-to song for me. Uh, every time I hear it, I'm like, if it even if it just comes on like on shuffle on my iPod or whatever, even though it's out of context, like I will just listen to the whole song. I don't care. I will play it. It's it just warms me up every time I hear it. Yep, definitely. Yeah. So as we continue through the album, the next song is called, <laughs> and boy, this <laughs> seems to fit so many relationships. I love you. I'll kill you. I love you. you. I'll kill you. Such a beautiful opening, isn't it? It is, but you know what you are missing is it just builds and builds, and then you have that crazy electric guitar, and it's mm -hmm. just yeah, it's it's a song that builds. And to me, this song is like the climax of the story. This is where everything mm -hmm. is just loud and in your face, and here it is, and then you know it'll just uh, carry you out from there. It's, it's pretty cool. It's interesting if I if I just listen to the music, it just feels like this really calming, warm tones, gentle percussion sounds. And I could just kind of lay back and listen with the headphones and enjoy it. And then I think about the title and then I think about it's someone plotting murder and, <laughs> you know, it, it just changes the, the tone of it completely. But I, I love the percussion in it. I love the synths, that sort of, you know, flangey synth that we're hearing. 
But if you guys notice too, when you're listening to this, there is a lot of panning back and forth between the left and the right ear. So you'll hear some percussion or you'll hear that breath and it repeats really fast back and forth, left ear, right ear, left ear, right ear. And that is a, a whole thing that goes on a lot on this album. It's one of the things that makes the album sound so unique. And from what I understand, that's a pretty trademark thing from Enigma. Um, I don't know their music really well beyond this album. Another band that I'm like, I really love this, but for some reason never dug into them. And I don't know why I do that. I'm going to. I'm going to listen. To, <laughs> I'm going to go I'll back and listen. To, I'll send it to you. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's just such an amazing journey. And the vocals on this, it's a patient song, a very patient song. You know, it doesn't need to hurry up and get where it's going. The vocals are just really gentle and flowing. Um, it, it's just kind of a mesmerizing song for me. Definitely. Yeah. Let's move on to Silent Warrior. Silent Warrior. If, you know, if, if you're going to kill somebody, you should probably be quiet about it. Don't ring like a bell and go, hey, I'm here. <laughs> and this does, this song does talk about death and love and religion. It's, and it's and actually like the coming of God. It's actually, it's, it's pretty, it's an awesome song too. Mm-hmm. That it is. Very intelligent. It is such a theme on this album to have these long intros that that come in, you know, from a quiet volume to a, a regular volume. And just all these little layers are being slowly added. You know, there's multiple right. layers of voice here. There's multiple percussion. Uh, and all the while on this just bed of these warm synthesizer pads. Uh, but it's just such a beautiful art, the way he builds these songs. Uh, yeah, they just kind of, they start out, People, a lot of people might say, oh, well, it just starts out really slow. And it, it does, but that's the intent. It's, it's to try to, it's to bring you in and make you feel comfortable and build you up. And, and it's almost like you're, you're, go, you're moving along with the song, you know, so you're stepping into it and you're feeling those emotions. And I think that's what uh, Creature did a really good job at with this album in particular is, building something that takes the listener along the ride. It's almost like I, I can equate it visually to taking somebody on a tour through an art gallery. You know, yeah, you stare at, you, you walk to a painting and you look at it, but it slowly emerges, right? Like you see the picture initially, but slowly you're seeing the detail, the depth, the <laughs> little touches of it. And I, I kind of feel like you're going in from as you go from song to song, you're going from picture to picture, and each one's slowly coming alive to you as the viewer. That's a great analogy. I don't know. Thank you. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> go with <laughs> All it. All my analogies—they're usually food-oriented for some reason, but uh, but this one was an art gallery. Uh, our next song on the album is called "The Dream of the Dolphin."
Love that piano. I do too. Yeah, it's like it's at first it's like this this cacophony of of so many different sounds, and you're like, what is happening here? And then it just kind of levels out, and that piano kicks in, and I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a beautiful build. And of course, the addition of the dolphin voices in the beginning is really nice. And I would imagine growing up in Florida, you have seen your fair share of dolphins. <laughs> I have. <laughs> They're beautiful creatures. I remember, uh, you know, my, my one day that I take off a year is before the musical instrument trade show in Anaheim. And I spend the day at the beach before that. And every year, within minutes of me arriving at the beach, I see dolphins playing in the water. And it just, it's, it's just such an amazing thing because they're such intelligent creatures and they make such beautiful sounds. They do. You know, they can be some really unpleasant frequencies sometimes, but they do make some really, really beautiful sounds. And I love that they tie this album into the earth and the tides. You know, it's, it's that sort of progression of life. Uh, but I do want to point out that the entire album there are no cuts in the audio. Like it's not like a song stops and the next one starts. Everything kind of fades in. So when I start listening to, or I start playing a track for you guys, there's sound immediately that kind of makes no sense because it's fading in from the ending of the previous song. So uh, if, if it sounds a little bit weird or, or a little off, that's, that's exactly what's happening. But I love that they did that because it just makes the whole album flow like you're watching, a, like you're listening to a movie. Yeah, definitely. And that's one of the reasons why I said it's it's truly meant to be listened to from start to finish and not on shuffle Mm. because like at the beginning of this, you have that. It is a little jarring to just start the song like that because you hear all of these other things happening and you're like, what is that from? So, but unless you're listening to the full album straight through, you're going to have those kind of little jarring uh, moments, but the song still makes up for it. Right. Well, when you're listening to the album, you don't really know when the track changes from, you know, track three to track four. It just flows in from one to the other. And all you're hearing is a different blend of sounds when you're listening on, you know, on a CD player or like a media player, like I'm doing it in this presentation. uh, It's it's very much a here is song four. Here is where it starts. (laughs) And then you hear this weird fuzz and you're like, the hell, why would you start a song like, that? you know, it doesn't make any sense. So I just wanted to point that out for the, you know, from the perspective of our listeners that may not be familiar with the album as, as much as we are. Um, so now uh, we're moving into the age of loneliness. This is Carly's Carly song. song. Now, to understand who Carly is, you really have to know the lyrics because Carly being a character in the story makes no sense just reading the song title because you wouldn't put the singer's name as it being her song. You would put the character in the story, which I don't remember them ever mentioning. So the title is kind of strange. I don't think they ever actually name her in the lyrics. I don't think so. Yeah. So it's kind of a weird title because you don't know who, who she is. (laughs) True. But it's a beautiful song. Nonetheless, as you're about to hear.
You know what gets me about this song is that damn water drop. Just that little drop, drop. Yes. You know, I, I love an, the sound of that. I have an answer for you. It's amazing what you oh. can find on Google. So ah. this song was actually on the soundtrack of the 1993 movie Silver or Sliver where Sharon Stone plays a character named Carly. And so this song was on that movie soundtrack, and then it was re-released on this album. So that's kind of why with this album, we don't really know who Carly is, but that's who Carly is from the movie Sliver. And I guess uh, what I was reading, Sharon Stone is actually, and I haven't, I don't remember, I'm sure I've seen it, but I guess Sharon Stone agreed to be in this music video for them. Oh, that was cool. Yeah, so I might have to go back I, and watch it. Yeah. Well, it, but okay, I, I get that. And maybe they did that just as a tie into the movie so that people would know which song was from the movie and they didn't have to listen to the whole album if they didn't want to. Or maybe they did that to promote the single. Because in the context of the album itself, that makes no sense. You know, no. because you're <laughs> listening to this and you're like, well, wait a minute, who's Carly? She's is she part of the story? Because you would think she's a character in the story. So that's kind of strange that they did that. But I mean, if they would have done that on the single release and not the album, that would have made the, sense. So it's single, kind of weird that it's titled that way. Well, on the single release, it was originally Carly's song because it was part of the movie Sliver. And so for this album, it was re-released as Age of Loneliness, but they put oh. Carly's song on it, I think, to help the you know people who might be familiar with it. Um, be able to, you know, promote on this album. Right. I'm not quite sure. See, and for or people that didn't know that song. it was... Right. Yeah, but for people that didn't know it was part of the movie, looking at the song titles right. for the album, I'm like, who the hell is Carly? Like, it just, <laughs> it doesn't fit the... Yeah, and you exactly. Know what? 30, years, 30 years later, and I'm still sitting here, I just educated myself on who Carly was. <laughs> And and me, thank you. Well, you know, we didn't have <laughs> well, we didn't have means of knowing this stuff before. I mean, I there was probably a trade magazine or something that might have told us this, but we didn't have the internet then. Most people did not have a home computer then. You know, nope. uh, they were made for they they were great for playing games and and things, but they were not. I mean, we didn't have what anywhere near what we have today. No so uh, we wouldn't. Yeah. I mean, we actually had to, to dial a phone to call somebody. Maybe you had one of those uh, cordless, if you were advanced and, and rich, you had one of those cordless, you know, phones that had the push buttons. Yeah. But for the most part, it was like pagers. Yeah. But I love that. I love the song. Um, I love that water drop. I love the fact that there's also a pulse of a water drop in the background, you're just hearing boom, 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 boom. Right. That's a modified water drop sound. And then you're hearing the main one in, in the front. I love her voice is, is kind of replacing that flute. And then that flute comes in afterwards to replace her. I think that's just beautifully crafted. I mean, she sounds so good on this whole album, but in particular, this is one of the songs where her voice really reaches me. Definitely. Very, very, her voice is just very, I don't know emotional you can just feel it mm. yeah she's very good at vocalizing i mean she's great at singing words and, and phrases and things but she's also just good at making those vocalizing sounds that really yeah. add just a whole nother level to the song uh you know for me 
Um, so as we're getting we're getting close to the edge of the album, and I would say we are. This is going to sound so cheesy. Out from the deep. <laughs> yes, this is my favorite right here. Is it really? I do love this it song. Is. This is my favorite. Well, it's why we're here. Okay, before I say what this song makes me think of, I want to know what you think. Um, I, I always just kind of felt like, you know, love is why we're here. Um, this song, and you cut it off before he started singing. I hope you can give the, re- the listeners a, a hint, because this is where Michael Creasy actually sings. Um, mm-hmm. and he's really passionate and it just makes me feel like, you know, love and togetherness, uh, as a society, you know, that's why we're here. We're here. And for him, maybe it's the, why we're here is to bring you this music. Um, but this song also just kind of builds and it starts and he's, you know, you have him singing and then it just builds and it's just this wonderful song. And. It definitely is my favorite from the album. It might not be the one that most everybody knows, but this is my favorite. Yeah, I would agree. And I I will play a little bit of him singing because I think his voice is fantastic. He sounds so good on this song. I had never heard of Cirque du Soleil when you introduced me to this album. Didn't know who they were. And it's interesting because I have recently reviewed a couple songs on my other podcast, Uriah Heap, the Magician's Podcast, where it has the same feeling to me. I feel a unity of people in this song. I feel like, you know, maybe we're all at an event together or I think of like a Cirque du Soleil show where they all start coming on the stage together to take their bows as the show's, you know, heading to its ending. And it feels just like this warm, like we're all standing together with our arms entwined with each other, just kind of swaying back and forth to the music not caring about politics, not caring about religion, not caring about anything, just being in that moment together. And that's what this song means to me. It just, it's a very powerful piece for me. Yeah. So here's a little bit of what, uh, what we're talking about. I love the combination of his voice with her backing him up with that really sort of warm yet haunting ah that she's got in there. It just sounds so good. Yeah. yeah and I just I, love he, it. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, no, you. 
Uh, I was just going to say, you know, right there, cause that's where he, it's almost like, like you're saying, um, you know, at the end of a concert or something, you know, we came out from the deep to learn how to love, to learn how to live. That's why we're here. You know, we're here just to do those things and enjoy it, you know? And yeah. So you, what were you going to say? Well, I was going to say too, that this, this is where it starts for me to touch a little bit on that reincarnation again, because he's talking about it takes many lives to succeed, but is that it takes us going like as an individual going through life after life and building and learning to be able to succeed? Or is it it takes many lives like a group of us, like a bunch of us together to succeed? I think it could go either way. I agree. I agree. It's, it would depend a lot on your beliefs as an individual and you know whether you believe in things like reincarnation. Um, but I can see definitely both sides of that, us collectively as a group or us individually going through different reincarnations of ourselves. Mm -hmm. I think we even do that within our lives. You know, like you were saying, thinking about people that you've hurt and you're, you know, you're not the person that you were when you've done those things. And sometimes it takes us doing things to be able to learn. And I'd like to learn. Yeah. I mean, I like to learn from other people's mistakes, but it's, but I'm still going to make my own. As long as I learn something from them, I don't mind making mistakes so much. You know, I, I hate it if it hurts other people, but I, it is just the natural progression of life. But we do reinvent ourselves, I think, a lot during our lives. And then obviously, if there is like an actual reincarnation and, you know, we come back time after time, um, which is also a great song by Cindy Lauper. <laughs> then, uh, you know, obviously we're, you know, we're, we're, but it doesn't make sense to me because if we come here without remembering those lessons, how many of them are we learning over and over? Like, I, I've, I'm so back and forth on that. You know? uh, yeah. And then you read a story about some eight-year-old boy that knows how to fix a World War II airplane. And you're like, he can't possibly know that. <laughs> that has to be carryover information. Definitely. You know? I just, I, I'll say, I think it's very possible. I don't know the logistics of it. I don't know how it works, but I think there's enough evidence out there to say, I think it's possible. Like when you meet somebody and you feel like you've known them for a long time and you just met two minutes ago, I think that's like a connection of, of energy that there may have been a, a like a past life connection. I, I have, have to think it's possible. We've had conversations about us. We've, had, we've talked yeah. about that 30 years ago, about us meeting. And because when we met, it was this, strange connection of like oh my god like we've been friends our whole lives so already mm-hmm. and just so yeah. definitely yeah and we we didn't really have like a you know a get to know you kind of friendship it was just like all of a sudden boom we were friends we were hanging out and it was like we had known each other for a long time and we we learned about each other over time right. but it was like a, a real comfortable familiarity that we had right from the get-go you know, and those I have found, those are the friendships I've had that have lasted 30 years. And I'm I'm so grateful for that because there's so many people that come and go, you know, especially when you work in the entertainment industry and to have people that, you know, we can, we can just start talking. We can not see each other for three or four years and then just like get in a room together. And it's like, we saw each other yesterday. You know, yeah. I love that. Yeah. So let's uh, let's check out the last song, which is called it's it's actually the title of the album. I keep thinking the album is called Return to Innocence. I I actually when I was writing up the show notes, 
I titled this episode album review return to innocence. And I'm like, that's not right. Because that's the song that I most. It's cross of changes. So we're going to hear that right now. feel like this is a transitional song like I can't decide if it's transitioning into the person that they're trying to get us to be during this this story or if it's the end of our lives and we're transitioning back into whatever comes after I I think you know it could be either um but I tend to lean towards the former of um, especially because I actually made a note here of the lyrics because I thought they were really important. So she's more talking than she more talks than she does sing here. And she says, if you understand or if you don't, if you believe or if you doubt, there is a universal justice and the eyes of truth are always watching you. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I see what you're saying. It could be like as, as you're stepping into that next life or, or transition into a new part of your life. Um, the eyes of truth are watching you and whether you believe it or you don't, whether you, you know, what do or don't, something is watching you and, um, like as a whole, whether it's, you know, what people want to believe is God or just the spiritual higher, higher power, whatever that is. It's yeah, that's a great description. I'm glad you pulled out those lyrics. I, I tend to go two ways when I think about the, the concept of somebody always watching me. I I kind of feel good because I feel like it's like it's someone that's that's got my back, you know, uh, but at the same point, it's creepy to think that there's somebody <laughs> always watching you. Like, I, I, I remember even listening to um, what was the song, uh, the Christmas song? You better watch out. You better not cry. Santa Claus is coming to town. Uh, yeah, that one. I couldn't think of the title. Thank you. Yeah, I'm like, what you know, a creeper. You're sleeping. Yeah, you know, first of all, that is a lot. That's a lot of people to maintain, you know, for 364 days a year and, and just judging them for everything they've done. Uh, that's, it's actually really, and, and what a horrible thing to tell children, like, you better not cry. Like, what a bad message that movie is. I was, I, I just interviewed, um, this will have come out a, a couple of weeks ago, but I, when I was interviewing John Reynolds, we were talking about the movie Christmas with the Cranks. And I, I watched that last year with a whole new perspective, you know, thinking about the messages that we're transmitting in, in art. And this whole movie is about, you know what, we don't want to be a part of the Christmas thing this year. We just want to do our own thing. We want to spend it our own way. Let's get out of town. Let's go do something different. And the whole neighborhood is like, screw you, screw what you want. <laughs> We want you to be a part of our celebration. So we're going to do everything we can to make you uncomfortable, to social pressure you into not living the life you want to live. And they cave in. And yeah. I thought, what a stupid message that is to send out. And I can't, I can't like the movie anymore. Like I, I, it's great acting. It's, it's, you know, it's good storytelling. But at the end of the day, I'm like, 
I hate the story or the message in the story, you know? Yeah. So I, so what I love about this album is it's a beautiful story. It's a beautiful concept of being the kind of people we should be, of being better people, of looking after each other, of saying it's okay to make mistakes. I'm going to do better next time. Let's all work together for a better world. Like to me, that's what this album says. Definitely. This this song, you know, this song in particular, it wraps up the whole album. It's you know, it's kind of like it's the essence of Enigma. Um, and once you've made it to this point, with the way that it ends, you're like, it's almost like you just take a deep breath and you're like, Oh, wow, that was that was a nice little spiritual cruise or road trip or whatever, you know, just a journey. Um, at, and that's kind of how I feel when I get to the song. Yeah. I, I think it's a very uh, calming and peaceful album, even though you go through some darker parts in the journey and some struggle. I think for the most part, the, the album is one that I can just relax and listen to and enjoy I can enjoy it on a musical level. I can enjoy it on the level of the story. But at the end of the day, it just makes me feel good to listen to it. And there's albums that, you know, like you listen to it because they pump you up. You want to work out to them. You're you're in the car on the highway and you're like, there's a great album to listen to on the road. But this is an album that brings me a, a, a huge amount of peace and tranquility. And I can just let everything in the world go and just immerse myself in this album. And there's not a lot of albums I can really do that with. Definitely. It's, um, yeah, for anyone who's listening, you want something to get nice and calm to. If you've had a rough day and you're all wound up tight, this is a really good album to just, I don't know, it, to just find peace and it just relaxes you. And, you know, it's not like you have to, you know, like with some songs and some albums, it's almost like you have to really pay attention. Um, to the to the lyrics to because you know usually a song tells a story with its lyrics um, and so you have to kind of like really pay attention. But this it's not saying that it doesn't that you shouldn't pay attention to it. It's just saying that it, you can hear it in the background and without even knowing it, I think you start you would start to realize that you're not wound as tight anymore and you're a little more relaxed and. You know, whether you were actively engaged with the album or not, just having it play, I think, uh, brings peace. Yeah, I would agree. And, and that's why I use the term immersing myself in the album, because you're right. When you're paying attention to something, you're listening, you're enjoying it, but you're actively listening. And this is an album that you could almost passively listen to and still get the full experience. You know, I just I like to close my eyes and just just take in everything I'm hearing, but not think about it. Just let it come in. Right. You know? And then there's times where I'm like, I kind of want to dig into it a little bit and then I'll be more alert and, and active, listen to it. But most of the time I just want it to kind of center me a little bit. You know, if I'm having a tough day or, or am I a little frustrated about something, um, I'll just put it on and just let all of that melt away. I think it's a great yeah. album for that. Same thing. Well, thank you so much, Tina, for coming on and going over thank this with me. I think it's a great album. Of course. I'm so glad that we get to share this album because it's a very special album to me. And obviously the connection that I have with you and with the album, uh, as well as just the album on its own. So I, I really appreciate you making some time in your busy life to to hang out and talk about it and, and share your, your thoughts and feelings too. Absolutely. Thank you so much. 
Well, thank you. I appreciate you making time out of your busy podcast for me. Yeah, you know, I'm going to do an episode anyways. <laughs> yeah, I think I did eight this week. So it's it's a bit of busy week. But uh, yeah, it's it's always great to to talk to you and, you know, to, to hang out and talk about memories, which are are very, uh, you know, pleasing. They make me smile just thinking about them and those those times in the in the cold Colorado Springs days. So thank Definitely. you. Again. It's, got, it's really been fun. Thank you. Yeah. Well, you take care. You have a great day and we will talk again soon, my friend. Excellent. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You know, it's a lot of fun doing these album reviews when you get to do them with somebody who you have such a connection with over the project, memories from a long time ago that, you know, just get all brought back up to the surface and you remember the time and the temperature and the sense of the room and all that stuff uh it's it's even better for me so thank you so much tina for coming on and going over this with me we had a few audio issues throughout the show but you know i think we delivered a really good review and a really good sense of the experience of the album uh it's a great album guys check out the whole thing just kind of put the headphones on have a nice cup of tea and just let your mind drift away with the music we will see you guys next week for another episode of the Hasky Cast Podcast. Cheers. Cheers.